Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew 12. I want to read just a couple verses of scripture, and again, I probably won't hold you long. Just, just a few verses of scripture tonight. The Bible says, Jesus speaking in verse number 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation. And shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. We could bow our heads in prayer tonight. Ask God to help us this evening and the remainder of this service. God, I come to you tonight. Lord, I thank you. I appreciate you, Lord. I appreciate you, Lord. God, your Lord, from whom, Lord Jesus, all blessings flow, they come from you. You are the director and the orderer of our steps. It's not in man to direct his own way. It's not in man to direct his own steps. But God, we ask that our steps would be ordered in your word pray God that you would take these couple verses of scripture tonight Lord and the thought God that is in them that you could somehow burn within our hearts God burn within our minds God make us better by them Lord give it consideration and thought the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and the church say amen amen you may be seated this evening Jesus, as he oftentimes did in the New Testament scripture, was addressing the scribes and the Pharisees, those group of religious gurus that uh, lived life according to the law, lived according to certain segments, if you will, the law, and thought the keeping of the law in and of itself was well enough for their salvation, well enough for their life. They had a lot of religiosity, but lacked greatly in spirituality. And uh, this group of people he is speaking to again because they've come to a certain mode in their life as though it were not enough for the Lord to walk among them and heal many of their sick, cause many of the blind eyes to be open and some of their deaf to hear and the dumb to speak, the lame to walk, which he did on sundry occasions, even cause life to come back in some of those that were dead, many signs and miracles were done before his people in various cities and towns. And it seems as though at this particular segment, as though all of that was not enough, as though all of that did not suffice, they went to the master again, groveling for yet another sign. Another sign, some other exploit, some just great fanatical thing to take place in front of them. The Lord didn't really need another sign to prove who he was. He didn't need another sign to demonstrate what type of power that he had. 
He had all power. And I believe all the signs leading up to this moment uh, spoke that very well. I don't think through anything that he'd done that there was any stammering or stuttering concerning his power and his ability to perform. But they come to him as though they were just shrugging off everything that had been done up to, uh, done up to that time, seeking for yet another sign. And he told them that there wasn't going to be another sign given them. That there wasn't going to be another demonstration per se that was going to take place in their midst. He even spoke to them how it was a wicked and an adulterous generation that sought just for a sign. He said, there will be no other sign given you than that of Jonas in those three days and those three nights that he spent in the heart of the earth. And then he goes very quickly to bringing in a couple different groups or sectors or even individual themselves to speak to his generation concerning these scribes and these Pharisees concerning he brings in other groups for means of comparison against these two groups uh, individual amen and he begins to speak how those of Nineveh would rise in judgment with the generation that Jesus Christ walked among and that he lived in and that they would condemn it he spoke how the queen of the south that we would be known as the queen of sheba would rise in judgment with his generation in order also to condemn them it's very important today i oftentimes have read this setting of scripture and where it's also paralleled in the gospels and I don't know, it seemed like in reading off times when I read those couple of verses in Scripture, Bishop, that I've always read that, that the Ninevites would rise in judgment against that generation. Or that the Queen of the South would rise in judgment against that generation. But the Bible just plainly says that they will rise in judgment with that current generation. But we begin to recall the Ninevites, those people that Jonah had a word of the Lord that was spoken to him that he should go and that he should declare the word of the Lord to the Ninevites. The Ninevites being a Gentile people, they were not Jews. They were lawless. They served idols. They were pagan. They did very much so everything that was outside of the spectrum of God and godliness. And yet Jonah would receive that word to go to that city and herald the word of the Lord. And if they did not hearken, if they did not listen, if they did not repent, if they did not amend their ways, that there would be destruction that would come to the city of Nineveh. We understand the story how Jonah, upon first hearing the word of the Lord, did not want to do what God wanted him to do. Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord and was running away from the call and the mandate that God had on his life being an integral part of the voice for the voice, being the voice for the Ninevites. But how all those turn of events came around and Jonah finds himself then in the city of Nineveh. He's heralding the word of the Lord and he's telling these people, people basically that they need to turn their hearts around. They need to make their wrongs right whenever they have disbanded and just given away to the things of the world and society, they needed to somehow correct that. And the Bible says that Jonah does that. Jonah doesn't have a, 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 a big reputation, all right? 
Jonah doesn't have a big reputation. He is just a Jew, amen, calmly not knowing a whole lot. Uh, he spent now three days, three nights in the belly of, of a great fish, and he comes declaring the word of the Lord. And the response, this is the amazing thing. It's not like he's been to Nineveh a thousand times and declared a similar word. This is the only time we hear that Jonah went here to declare this word. And he declared it only one time. He declared it only one time. He was not repetitious. He declared it one time. And just with one utterance concerning what God's will was for the Ninevites. One utterance. The Bible says records the response of the people. From one utterance from a man that did not have the Holy Ghost. From a man that didn't have the Spirit of God in him. At best in Old Testament days, perhaps the Spirit would move upon him. But there was no Spirit in him. Just as the New Testament Scripture says, the Holy Ghost could not have been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus even hadn't come yet. So here is a man, a prophet, that had the Spirit move upon him, not filled with the Spirit. He says, this is what God says. And from that one utterance of what he said, God said, the response of the people was this. The Ninevites believed God at his word. One man with not a great reputation, without the Spirit indwelling him, speaks the message one time. No word of reputation of repeating it. And God's people says, we believe God at his word. They didn't have to have water come out of a rock. They didn't have to have fire upon a bush and not being consumed. They didn't have to have a sign. They didn't have to have a wonder. They just took God at his word through a vessel that even didn't have the Holy Ghost. And the response of the people is no extra proof is needed. They took God at his word. The Bible says the king of that arena then stands up. He declares a fast for every man, woman, boy, girl, and even the livestock. Everything in the city are called to a fast. Why? Because they believe God at his word. It was only spoken one time by a man that wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says they humbled themselves. We have even the, 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 the prestige of the king that's putting sackcloth on and ashes on his face. Children are just, just sitting on the ground and families are sitting on the ground because they're humbling themselves because of the word of God that came from a man with no reputation, did not have the spirit, and he spoke at once. And their response was they humbled themselves. The Bible says in verse 8 concerning in, in, in Jonah, the scriptures of Jonah, Jonah chapter number 4, I believe it is, or 3, that they turned, the Bible says, this city, these Ninevites, which the closure, the closure of Jonah declares that there were 120,000, 120,000 in Nineveh that did not know their left hand from the right hand. So I don't know if that's talking about children that were still yet not real knowledgeable, you know, and real educated, that maybe there was even 120,000 of them. And if that's the case, you can just take that number and expand it of how many inhabitants there really are and Nineveh. So just let's just take 120,000 figure, 120,000. Let's just say that was all the people. I, I'm just speculating about everything else. 120,000 people, they turned from their old ways. 
which was their evil ways, their ways that were against God, their ways that were not marking up to the ways of the Savior, they turned from their, they turned. Remember that the, the basic idea of repentance is a turning around, a turning away from, and a turning towards something else. So at a man who was not filled, I know I'm saying this over repetition. I, some preachers still got to repeat. Here's a man that was not filled with the Spirit, that didn't have a great reputation, first time he ever been to Nineveh, first time they ever heard him preach, First time he ever declared a sermon and he said, this is what God said. They say, we accept what that you say. That's what God said. And they're repenting. They're turning from their evil ways. They're in sackcloth and ashes. They've humbled themselves. They're believing God at their word. Said and done. Then there's the queen of Sheba. She's a Gentile. The Bible, if you speak of the different accounts of her being the queen from the south, Wherever she is living, and there's speculation about where that exactly is, but wherever she is living is at great distance to where Solomon lives. We're talking about a long, arduous journey between where he is and where she is. Not having the, 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 the written letter and the written publication like we do today, but the Bible says when she heard of the fame and she heard of the wisdom of Solomon, that just by hearing that, she took a great journey, miles and miles. It took a lot of substance. It took a lot of animals. It took taking a lot of things along just to endure the journey. In order to get to where Solomon was, you can read of the occurrence of 1 Kings chapter number 10 when the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, went to visit Solomon and she went to hear the wisdom of the Lord. Here is Solomon. Yes, he has the notoriety, if you will, of a king and the notoriety, if you will, uh, of being wise. But again, we have an individual of Old Testament Scripture that is not spirit-filled. At best, at times, spirit moved upon. And this lady is so eager to hear words of wisdom that she travels and traverses great distance just to hear words of wisdom. When she got there, she understood it was even better than what she had even first had heard of or even believed that this is just fantabulous. This is, that's a made up word. It's just wonderful, amen, about all the wisdom and how everything is orchestrated. She was so enthralled, a Gentile, concerning the word of a non-Holy Ghost-filled man and the wisdom of a non-Holy Ghost-filled man. The Bible says she gave him gifts because of the wisdom and so eager to hear and to accept the pearls of wisdom that fell from his mouth. So she's putting all of these, these goods and these riches that she's brought on the camels and laying it down at the feet of Solomon because she is just so eager to hear the word of the Lord. Can someone say amen? So Jesus, in speaking to this present generation, Jesus makes a couple of comparisons of concern. There's going to be the queen of Sheba that will rise up in judgment with this present generation. There will be, if you will, if we just use the 120,000 number, there will be the 120,000 that will rise up in judgment with this generation. Mm-hmm. And both of these parties, 
the Queen of Sheba and the 120,000 Ninevites are going to condemn this generation, not with their mouth, listen to me tonight, but simply with their presence. Jesus' generation, he concludes in each of these episodes, basically the Ninevites responded like the Ninevites responded to a non-Holy Ghost-filled man that had no reputation his first time preaching. They, those Ninevites responded to that, but a greater than Jonah is here. Yes, Sister Craig. He said the queen of the south traveled great distance, went through whatever hardship and cost was needful or necessary in order to travel to hear a non-Holy Ghost king that even later in life had some fallacies, but she was so eager to hear wisdom. Didn't matter the cost. Didn't matter the hardship of the journey. She was going to hear it. But a greater even than Solomon is here. You know what the Lord was speaking to those people? And I'm speaking to us tonight. You know what the Lord was speaking to those people? On judgment day? There's going to be judgment day? And I don't know if sometimes we understand the whole scope of judgment day. But on judgment day, it's not just going to be the first apostolic church standing before the throne room. It's not just going to be the people that live from 1950 to 2013 that's standing there. We're going all the way back to the time of Adam. On judgment day, those 120 Ninevites. You say, well, Brother McGee, if some of these people, people that haven't done right, they're not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know who's been feeding yet, baloney, but they're wrong. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Whether you're doomed for heaven or hell, everybody's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to me very clearly right now. What Jesus was speaking for his day is you scribes and Pharisees that have all the religiosity and know every law and know every jot and know every tittle and always searching for another sign, always looking for another wonder, always looking for me to perform and do something else in your life, you're going to be standing right by some Ninevite that had a preacher come that wasn't Holy Ghost filled, that spoke one message, never repeated it, and they repented. Let me bring you to a level today. He said, no doubt, Jesus, undoubtedly a greater than Jonah is here and a greater than Solomon is here. Let me tell you, modern-day churches, modern-day Christians, any preacher, any, any minister, evangelist, whoever you have, that is even a greater than Solomon Jonah because you have a person that's living in your life that's Holy Ghost in field. Sister Craig, on judgment day, you're going to be standing by a Ninevite 
that whenever the man of God first said something about turning it around, they turned it around. They didn't question. They didn't balk. They, did, they didn't say, say it one more time. They didn't say, I'll give it a week or a couple of months and I'll try it out. No, the moment that the word went forth, he didn't preach the same sermon 10 times and it wasn't his second or third time going there. The first time the man of God preached, they listened. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a greater level of accountability in our hour. Do you understand the gravity of that, Andrew? Do you understand that? Here's a man that only had to be told once and he repented and you're standing beside him? Let me ask you the question. How many times do you sometimes have to be told before you repent? You're going to stand in judgment with one of those Ninevites that had a non-Holy Ghost preacher not filled with the Spirit first time he preached. And he said it and they said, we believe God's Word. That Ninevite don't have to open his mouth his presence alone on judgment day will condemn others because of his reaction to something that was less powerful than what we got in our generation. Would you like to stand beside Moses? Would you like to stand beside Peter? Would you like to stand beside John? Let me tell you, folks, when we preach about these people in Scripture, this is not some cunningly devised fable. This is not some high watermark that everybody just strides for and they can't reach. No, there are going to be margins that we stand by in judgment day on. But, but, but pastor, you know, God's going to judge me for me and my works. Yeah, he will. He's going to judge me for that. That's right. But stand right next to you. Could it be the no quabble, don't need a sign Ninevite? He said there's a greater than Jonah here for Jesus' day. And I'm declaring to you this evening. The ministry that God has still dispatched upon this earth is greater than the Old Testament day because of their infilling of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you the truth. The Queen of Sheba travels great distance just to hear. Whatever it costs just to hear. Wisdom. She's going to stand in judgment next to me, Brother Mason. She's going to stand in judgment with me, and God's going to be looking at he and me and she and look at McGee and say, This lady, there wasn't the summoning of Solomon. Is somebody hearing me right now? There wasn't the summoning of Solomon for that Gentile non believer to come. Of her own accord, she went. God. 
Solomon wasn't sending her letters every other month and sending, sending a, a, a group of people from his, his land to her land trying to coerce her and force her and, and just, you know, whatever. Have every gimmick, you know, if you, we'll give you a, a new camel if you come. But she, what was going on there, just so powerful, she heard about it. Went great distance, she heard about it. And she said, I gotta go check this out. I gotta hear this for myself. No matter what the journey is, no matter what the cost is, she's gonna be standing by me in judgment. You wanna know? You know what the wisdom of our hour is? There is no greater wisdom than this right here. No greater pearl of wisdom right here than this right here. Spoken, hey man, by God through a Holy Ghost filled person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No greater. Since she would go at great lengths just to hear. How many are still ready to go at great lengths? To hear. No matter what the cost. No matter what the struggle, in so much she says, man, I'm going to give some riches just to hear it. You and I will stand with that queen of Sheba that day. Let me tell you, do not neglect the house of God. I was just talking to my wife the other day. She said, honey, she said the scripture came to bind of Hebrews 10, 25. Is it forsake not the assembling of yourself to get together as the manner of some is, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. I said, dear, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what a lack of church attendance is in our age and day is. It's nothing but an indicator of the coming of the Lord. That's the reason why he said forsake it not, even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Because one of the signs, listen to me right now, folks. One the signs of the end times is that people will miss more and more church that's the reason why that admonition was put there as the day approaches they're going to want to just detach and fall out and get away from he said but the church should not be so forsake not the assembling because if a queen can go great distance and pay large sums of money just to hear this you're going to stand by her on judgment day and what report do you have I know this isn't, I know this isn't the, 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 the 2,000-year preaching, but this is preaching that I grew up on. And I'm not talking about that. I'm even going beyond him. This, this is preaching as a kid I grew up on that almost struck just a little note of fear in your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just strike just a little. Just made you just almost question. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with just somehow going back and reinsuring and making your calling an election. Sure, there, there's nothing wrong with any of that. You're not going to be faulted by doing that. You're not messing up by doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> He wanted those scribes and Pharisees to know right from that moment you came to me with your blabbering mouth wanting another sign. I've done signs and miracles and all that before you. Jonah never did a sign. Solomon never did a sign. But those people were eager to hear. They were eager to accept. They didn't need a demonstration. 
They didn't need all these little these all these little mandates and ultimatums that people make with God. God, if you do this, I'll do that. God, if you do this, I'll do that. No, 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 no. They didn't have to have that. God just did what God did. And the people just did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't like holding God over a fire and say, God, you perform for me and then I'll perform for you. Honey, we got that all backwards. We're not doing no. We're not putting God over a fire asking him to perform. God's God. He's sovereign. He doesn't have to do anything that we ask or require. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. We get in a very faulty thinking whenever we think God owes us something. I'm telling you the truth. I know we have some horrific times, but God doesn't owe any of us anything. He does not. If we get into that type of mentality that we think God owes us something, we're no better than the next scribe and Pharisee that's saying, show me another sign, perform for me again, rot another work. He says a greater than Jonas is here. A greater than Solomon is here. He was speaking of himself. I tell you what, I for sure would not want to stand in the shoes of the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day. Now listen, I will declare of this generation, we don't have a greater than Jesus. There was no greater than he. I would hate to be some of those of his day standing in judgment. Because they had the bread of life that was walking right among them. They had the Almighty that was touching their brow. That was beckoning them to a ship or to a desert to speak to them. But before we get to uh, too many sighs of relief, we need to understand that we do live in a greater generation than the Old Testament Scripture. And so for this day, and I, I'm hastening to a close, seriously I am. And so for this day, failing to repent and failing, desire, and failing to desire to hear the words of wisdom is very erroneous for them of that day. And folks, and it will be condemning for us in judgment day it'll be error now but it will be condemnation then there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus it may be convicting now seeing the need to repent or seeing the need to somehow heighten that desire of hearing the word and the wisdoms of God, it may be convicting now. But if gone uncorrected, it'll be condemning then. Stand with me today. I think it's proper that we start to think in our everyday lives that I'm not just standing in judgment with First Apostolic Church. I'm standing in judgment with the Ninevites. I'm standing in judgment with the Queen of Sheba. Yeah. I'm standing in judgment with Zacchaeus. Uh-huh. I'm standing in judgment with the Apostle Paul, the persecutor of the early church. Yeah. Uh-uh. Do you understand the gravity then of the judgment seat of Christ when you understand that spectrum of people are going to be around you 
and you have been extended in certain ways greater privileges and honors than some of those of Old Testament scriptures. Greater opportunities than they. And yet their response has been quicker and better at a lesser opportunity than some of ours have been at a better opportunity. Every I shall see him. All must appear before the judgment seat. All. All of us. We bow our heads in this place tonight. Oh God. God, help me to be easily impressed by you. Help me to be easily impressed by your word. God, I don't want to become calloused that you got to tell me again and again and again. Help me to respond to your word. Let me not put up all the what ifs and start throwing in my negotiations. Help me just be obedient. Because God, I'm going to stand there someday and that Ninevite that caused his cattle to fast and his family to fast is going to be standing there by me because he heard the word of the Lord from a preacher that preached one time in their city that didn't have the Holy Ghost. God, how many times throughout the period of my life serving you how many times have I heard, Lord, a similar message more than one time before I reacted appropriately? God, I'm going to be standing in judgment by somebody that reacted the first time. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.